Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, Dodgers fans? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by Fansided and your Los Angeles Dodgers are 76 and 33 while we are recording in the middle of the finale against the Twins. So they might have a chance to improve their winning streak to 10 games because this offense is relentless. And despite being down 4-2, they're now tied as I'm doing the introduction. So thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, your Dodgers are hot right now. I don't even need to track the NOS standings at this point because it's over, baby. Your Dodgers swept the Giants. They swept the Padres. They are on a roll right now. And finally, Ben Verlander conceding and nominating the Dodgers as the number one seed. It's about damn time. So first off, I want to start the show with just really solidifying and com- commending how great Julio Urias has been for the Dodgers this season. 12 and 6, 249 ERA. He's won his last nine decisions. That's over 10 starts. A 253 ERA during that span. His fastball spin rate is in the 98th percentile, up in the upper echelon, 94% curve spin. And he has the walks under control. Even when he's in a little bit of, of a tight situation, he gets out of it. And I'm going to open the show with this take. Entering the postseason, he's my game one starter. I will now pass it over to David Rosenthal. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Kevin. Thank you. And it's a very, very good take. And I completely agree with you. I think he is, as of right now, the ace of this staff. He has been the most consistent pitcher all year. Yes, Tony Gonsolin has been pretty much consistent. Tyler Anderson has been arguably just as consistent. But I think overall in the playoffs, factoring in his, his pure stuff and the experience that he's had in 2020, he is the number one game, number one starter. Uh, he's earned that right. And I think it'd be wise for the Dodgers to kind of manage his innings the, the rest of the way. I think last year we kind of saw a little bit of burnout from him. It was just him and Bueller pretty much for a, a significant, you know, stretch of the year at, at some point last year, uh, throw Scherzer in there and, and then he can't pitch in the playoffs. And it was just two guys. So I, I think it would be, wise to kind of monitor his starts when you get into September and late August, maybe, maybe skip him one time 
maybe give him six days, call up someone from the minors, do a six-man rotation a little bit once you officially clinch the division for sure, uh, and and kind of roll with him. I, I do think he's the game one starter. I think Jake, right now Jake it's, Reiner. Sorry, Jake Reiner. No, no, go ahead. Introduce me. Jake Reiner, <clears throat> as you all know, go spill the, spill the beans. Fire away. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with all with what you're saying. I mean, it, 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 there's it's really no um, no debate. It's Julio Arias. He is the ace of this staff. He also is the guy you want on the mound, not only for game one, but for potential game five or game seven. With the season on the line, is there any other pitcher right now on this Dodger staff that you want starting that game? And I, I don't think that there is. You can make an argument for Tyler Anderson or Tony Gonsolin, but given Julio's track record uh, as a big-time postseason pitcher, you have to go with him. Just You just have to. Still question mark if uh, Walker Bueller's coming back. What what can Kershaw give you? So those are some question marks there. And we know Dustin May is uh, is close to returning as well. But those are a bunch of question marks that you just you can't rely on, and you know you can rely on Julio. So yeah, that that's a good that's a good take. I, I'll I'll back that take uh, all the way to the end. I think right now with the Dodgers, we kind of were touching on a little bit, but it's about managing injuries and making sure that nobody else gets hurt um, managing innings for pitchers. I like, I I've always liked the idea of doing a six man rotation, especially if you are uh, wanting to, um, you know, give your starters a rest and maybe, maybe you start doing a little bit more piggybacking. Who knows? I mean, you could, you could go uh, Dustin may uh, along with Julio Arias. If you want to do that, that sort of piggybacking thing to get, Dustin may ramped up, but also to relieve Julio Arias a little bit. Um, also on the, uh, on the offensive side, I mean, you, you just hope that, that nobody gets hurt because right now this team is ready to roll into October right now. I mean, the, I, I don't see anybody in the national league that is going to take them out at this rate. I mean, I just don't see any other team that's better than them. And similarly in the American league, I don't see any other team that's better than them. So it's right. It's just about keeping these guys healthy and sharp. That's it. Winners of their last 31 of 36 games played. Maybe they're going to do another 42 and eight or 43 and seven type of stretch. It's very possible in the cards and the, the rest of the regular season is going to be kind of a cakewalk. Keep guys healthy. But what I'm more intrigued about is when the Dodgers get into the postseason, how they're going to set their rotation. As we just mentioned, Urias is a lock to start. I imagine once Kershaw is activated off the IL and gets stretched out again, he's probably your game two or game three starter. I would say unless he falls off the cliff and just regresses hard, Tony Gonsolin is your other starter. So now that fourth spot, this is where I think they're going to mix and match. Maybe Tyler Anderson or Dustin May starts the game, goes four or five innings, and now you can bring out Andrew Heaney or Walker Bueller if he's healthy and just get very crazy and essentially shorten the game because you could have two starters go in one game. Hopefully that takes you to the seventh or eighth inning. Now you got Evan Phillips and Blake trying to just lock it down. And that's what I'm hoping that the Dodgers are able to do in the postseason. The good news is, is that Tyler Anderson and Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin all have experience coming out of the bullpen. So none of that will be new for them. Yeah. I don't know how you keep Tyler Anderson out of the lineup, out of the, out of the rotation in the playoffs. I mean, he's been not quite, as 
good as Arias, but pretty much right there with Julio Arias. Only uh, like a couple bad starts. But yeah, that's it. he had one or two kind of clunker type starts. I think it's just one, honestly. Uh, but other than that, he's been incredibly effective. I, I think he is your, your game two starter, frankly. Have a hard time going with him over Kershaw because Kershaw has the postseason experience and is battle tested as opposed to Anderson, who really has not been in that type of dance yet. Yeah, it's just we don't know what Kershaw is going to be if he when he comes back. You know, we don't know how long this injury is going to be. We don't know if he's going to have time to build up, how effective he's going to be. And Tyler Anderson seems like the kind of guy who is kind of ready for the playoffs. I mean, he's been on bad teams his, pretty much his whole career. Doesn't look like he gets phased by anything much, uh, by much of anything. He kind of has that Chris Taylor personality where he's just kind of existing and not really phased by anything and doesn't really have a personality, at least on the field, except when he shoved, uh, I think it was Ian Happ down. Uh, and that's, that's the kind of shit you want from a playoff starter. And I think he, I don't think you can leave him out of at least the first three of the playoff rotation. It, it, yeah. I mean, it comes down to Anderson or Gonsolin as your game three starter, in my opinion, and they're going to just have to, outpitch each other and that's where Dave Roberts will make his decision but Clayton Kershaw I fully believe he's going to come back healthy it seemed like he was rather optimistic about this back injury and usually these type of things have only kept him out four weeks five weeks tops that's going to give him about three weeks to get fully stretched out and maybe the rest will actually benefit him because I just think back to 2020 how many how few games he played he even hurt his back in the NLCS was able to start the world series and was dominant. So I have full faith that the greatest pitcher on planet earth is going to be ready. Also. I like the, I like the idea of him not pitching every fifth day. This break is, is really great. I mean, if, if the back injury isn't as serious as you know, we're expecting it not to be the fact is, is that he's not there. You're not putting any more miles on his arm and that's, that's great because he could potentially be fresh. Yeah. We're about to be joined by one of our most loyal listeners, Steve, who is hey, hopping Steve. on the incline. Steve, oh. thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, you are very, you're one of our most active Twitter followers. You engage with us all the time. You ask great questions. You reached out to us to come on the show. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to you know share some thoughts ask us a few questions so why don't i do that right now well thank you um so i just went on a road trip with uh my i got married in june and my wife was living in houston so i saved her <laughs> congrats uh, uh no she's not a nationals fan she's a dodger fan uh, originally from uh riverside county so i saved her from houston um she did say that she rooted for the Astros in the World Series, but has recanted her opinion now Solid. after allegations. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, driving across country, I thought, why not listen to every episode starting at the beginning? Wow. How'd that okay. go for you? Yeah, I've not even done that. Um, well, Kevin Klein, uh, you are great, but I'm tired of hearing your voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're telling us, dude. You're speaking to the yeah. choir. Yeah, Ke Kevin's wife says the same thing. <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, at the beginning, you were very, like, very, uh, I don't know the word, but you were like, the Dodgers did this, and then this, and then this, and then this. It was, like, very circadian. It was like, and it 
like you were right. You messaged me on Twitter and you said that it didn't hit its uh, stride until like September of twenty of twenty nineteen. It it literally is when David joined the podcast. Checks out, dude. Checks out. Yeah. And David, I'm not above saying I've told my wife many times that you were like my spirit animal as a person. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're very much alike. Like yeah. our opinions are opinions, and we are gonna stick to them. And fuck you if you don't like. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> you can say it. Swear away. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but I do have some uh, thoughts, and David, I agree with you uh, with the. Um, out of left field you guys used to do out of left field yep i hate headlights they're too bright they're stupid i'm there with you i was listening to it and i was like yeah i I," and i was into it at nighttime when it was i was like this is stupid you're right yeah they're too damn bright they (laughs) they, we reached peak wattage in like 2003 or 2000 10 or something anything it, after that is ridiculous it was when they went for like the blue lights everybody went to the blue lights it was stupid yeah but i do have a bone to pick with a couple guys um david bass are disgusting <laughs> oh you're you, not a you bath to, guy david you had to take about baths being uh, good yeah i'm a huge bath guy oh god you didn't know this you literally said no Bath and then shower. No, it's shower then bath. I, it, dude, if you had given that opinion, I would have, I would have gone after you. I don't think I was on the show then. Yeah, you were. This was no, it was at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I was post bath. Yeah, <laughs> I had to. I re-listened to it today, and you guys are hundred percent wrong. Buffalo Wild Wings is the best sit-down restaurant ever. <laughs> He's going way wow, back wow. to the restaurant chain uh, episode. Yeah, I remember that. I went one. to the COVID restaurants and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Kevin, you literally said Mark uh, Will Smith would be the next AJ Ellis. You said that? I guess so. <laughs> oh my God. He's come around though. Kevin's come around. He, yeah. Jeez. There's so many. Oh, Chris Taylor just hit a home run. Um, yeah, I, saw, I saw that. I just moved from South San Diego to Riverside County. So I don't get Dodger games anymore. So I have to watch them on the. Uh, like stat cast is so annoying yeah but yeah and bro kevin you said that you would trade diego cartaya for felipe vasquez at the time i'm sure cartaya was like 17 and everyone wanted to trade lux and may so i was giving the people an, a more logical alternative i probably no, I, I probably agreed with you on that one hindsight is 2020 but obviously vasquez is a horrible person yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't hang out with Vasquez, so I didn't know what he was doing after. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, not, Kevin. Ke- Kevin, do do any background checks? <laughs> but I was laughing because I had I re-listened to it today while I was at work, and you and Ian both agreed that Joe Madden was better than Dave Roberts after the 2019 uh, playoff debacle. Yeah, well, after 2019, everyone was better than Dave Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> And pick any manager. That was one of the worst postseason performances I've ever seen. Him letting Kershaw. So oh bad. Yeah, so bad. I, PTSD. I, I do remember that. I slammed my phone down and said 106 wins pissed away. Yep. Yep. Where are my good takes? I am the first one to say <laughs> Mookie Betts should be a Dodger. And I got laughed at saying he's overrated. You did. I, I have been listening to the, them again like 
the last couple of days, you did say that Mookie Betts was going to be great, but you also said David Price is going to be great, and we've all know that he's not. Again, a guy that opted out of 2020. He was electrifying in spring training, and then he basically had chemo. wasn't the same. Yeah. Yeah. David, I got to tell you one thing. Yeah. Soup Plantation is the greatest restaurant. Rest in peace. Minus Buffalo Wild Wings, I'm there with you. Rest in peace also, Soup Plantation. Yes, I know. I was, yeah. (laughs) Jake is just learning about the the past of the incline. I'm just, I'm just happy I'm uh, getting off scot-free here. At least, at least, at least during, during the interim here. I don't know. I don't know if Steve's got anything else. I I have an hour and a half drive home from work every day. So I was re-listening to the final bracket there. And I was like, Buffalo Wild Wings and then Soup Plantation. And then uh, Benny Hanna was the best. Fair. I'd say Benny Hanna clears that. that. So so did I, but I got, think I got outvoted. My, uh, my wife, we got, I got married on June 2nd this year. Congrats. And my wife, my first date was Benny Hanna. So I'm there. It's a very good I, first date place. It is. All right, Steve, you got any hard hitting questions for us before we let you go? Okay. Anything. How many wins do the Dodgers have this year? Because I posted on Twitter that the Dodgers would win 110 games plus. So what are you guys at? I mean, at this rate, what? I think 110 sounds spot on. I, I think, will. I will say 108. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm in that range too. I think they definitely surpass their record of 106. They're currently on pace for 113. Yeah, I think. I think, I think we might see down the stretch maybe you know a couple of these games that they're not really invested in, you know, spot start, or maybe they're, you know, mixing up the lineup or giving guys rest or whatever. We, we may lose a couple of those games down the stretch. So that might affect things, but yeah, I mean, if they keep going at this rate, they're going to win 113 easy. Yeah. And I, I hope they rest some guys the last week of the season. Cause we don't need another repeat of what happened with Muncie. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Last oh, week or two of the season, I hope they kind of stagger these guys playing times. Yeah, and Freddie Freeman said he's not he doesn't want to come out of the lineup until they clinch the 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 NOS. So let's clinch it soon. Next month. Yeah, I think very I think early September. I'm there with you guys. Yeah. Uh I just want to say I appreciate you guys like every week. It's my best listen. We appreciate you, you Steve. Thanks, Steve. I think my coming wife on. Is proud of me talking about you guys. Yeah, come on, come on anytime and roast Kevin. We loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I have enough material to roast Kevin because I have listened <laughs> to every one of the, you guys' podcasts. Like, I found you guys in, it was like September 2020. Yeah. I was listening to a daily podcast, which I'm not going to list, but it was a daily podcast and they were horrible. Yeah. Yep. And I did a search and found you guys and it's been magic ever since. We appreciate it. We really that. appreciate Thank it, you. man. Thank you, Steve. So, I hope you, you like me. Hope you like me. I do, Kevin. You're great. Uh, your takes are hilarious on Twitter, Kevin. You're great, David. You're hilarious. Like Thank I you. love your your you have you're you're a lot like me. You're like screw you. This is my opinion. If you don't like it, too bad. You're goddamn right. And I, I feel like I got off easy as opposed to Kevin, but I appreciate you. <laughs> and Jake, you're great on Twitter too. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. All right. Steve. All right, Steve. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Later, man. Bye.
right. Steve coming with the receipts. I thought for sure I was going to get slammed because I know I had a couple of bad ones in there. Me too. I, yeah. I feel like Kevin kind of got the brunt. He got the shit end of the stick for sure. I'm the most expressive. What can I say? I think Jake got out got out free because he was listening to the throwback episodes where the old yeah. comrade Ian was yeah. a focal point. Yeah, Just and he a- really went in on the uh, on the restaurant bracket, which was the one episode I wasn't there for. Yes. I mean, I was a part of the podcast, but not on that. No, one. no, you weren't. You were, you were not there yet. Ian was Ian was a part of that one. Oh, so so I guess we did it twice because I missed the we other really one. We did then, it too. once. We might oh. have talked about restaurants in general, but there was a yeah. We know we did like a whole bracket. bracket. And like, oh, I, I'm aware of that. I just I you thought must have listened to it and thought you were part yeah. of it. Yeah, well, that that <laughs> that checks out. <laughs> All right, let's get back to business here. Woo! So we missed Max, that Chris Max Taylor months. home run though. That was great. Yep. Yes, Chris Taylor going yard. He's been pretty productive ever since coming back off the IL. Small sample size, but I fully believe in him being a major contributor. It's the Max Munch- Muncy show, though. Ever since it turned August, his last eight games, he's been electrifying. He's basically along the slash line of 375 batting average, 400 on base, 875 slugging, four home runs, nine RBIs during that stretch. And unlike earlier in the season where his eye was definitely there, but when he would make contact with the baseball, it wasn't going far. Now it's all come back to fruition. He looks like vintage Max Muncy. And what of a hell of a trade deadline pickup for the Dodgers because they didn't actually have to move anyone. They just got back the Max Muncy of old. And when you have Max Muncy in your lineup, the 2018 through 2021 guy, we're talking about a 35 home run power hitter and one of the best eyes in all of baseball being able to command the strike zone and not swing at a lot of outside pitches. So a huge ad for the Dodgers. And I think Muncy is going to be a key contributor in the postseason. I just want to live react to something real quick. Evan Phillips just owned Carlos Correa. Anyway. Yeah. I, what I want to say about Max Muncy is what I also want to say about Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger. Now those three players we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast and Dodgers fans have had to kind of go through it with all of these guys. Um, They've each had their moments of, of struggling mightily. Um, and it's been a real tough, it was a, a tough watch there at certain points during the season for each of these players. Now, the one thing that I want to say about all three of them is the fact that the Dodgers are so good that they can literally just let these guys do what they do and not really have to worry about them because of Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Gavin Lux, and Will Smith, period. Name me another squad where you... You know, you take Max Muncy, Justin Turner, and Cody Bellinger, who on a majority of the teams out there, you put those three guys on that roster, they become the three best hitters on that team. And what team could survive with those three players struggling for them? Not many. The Dodgers, on the other hand, have the benefits of patience, and they can allow them to go through the motions, trust the process, and all of that stuff. Not to mention the pitching staff has been absolutely brilliant. So it is a, it is a luxury because you, you know, the Dodgers have that luxury. They've been able to build a massive lead in the NL West without those players producing not a lot. I mean, of what we're used to seeing them produce, it's just a, it's just an amazing thing. It's this period of time in Dodgers baseball is, is probably the 
best well-oiled machine that they've ever been in their history. I agree. I think the only stretch that ever rivals this is the 2017, I think it was 43 and seven stretch. I want to say something like that. It was like 42 and eight or something like that. Okay. Sorry. I was one off. No, maybe I was right now. 43 and seven is 2013. 43 and seven is 27. Let's bring Steve back on. Maybe he remembers what we said. Yeah. Yeah. True. He did have a pretty good memory. Yeah. Um, but no, I agree. And what we talked about about a month ago, uh, maybe a little, maybe a little bit longer, maybe six weeks ago, is the Dodgers were only getting production from the top three in the order and Gavin Lux. And the second this team started getting production from Justin Turner, a little bit from Muncie, and a little bit from Bellinger here and there, those guys stopped being automatic outs. That's when this team kicked it into gear. There was no more giant size hole in the in the middle of the order. Now you're getting now you're seeing the entire lineup produce and you have guys like Trace Thompson who came out of nowhere. You have uh, other additions who can't even get at bats at this point who are all contributing. Uh, Hans Roberto has been better. He's hitting the ball better. He's playing good defense. Uh, and it's it's a well-oiled machine if I've ever seen one. And it's going to continue that way because they didn't give up the farm for Juan Soto. So when the old bunch is ready to hang it up, the next wave is going to be maybe even better. And when, when I saw the rumored ask price for Juan Soto from the Dodgers, I kind of just laughed in their faces. They wanted Bobby Miller and Cartaya for sure. Then they wanted, it was like two of the four or three of the five, something Pepio, uh, Vargas, I think Altman was in there, Stone, and then prospect. And then they wanted apparently three wild card prospects. Here's what I think happened: the Dodger tax. <clears throat> I agree right. with. I know what you're going to say, and I agree. Okay. Yeah. The Dodgers tax. What I was going to say about that is, I think what the Nationals did was they looked at the Dodgers and said huh, I really, we really don't want to give one soda to the Dodgers. We really don't. I think that that would disrupt the, the power balance in Major League Baseball. So let's see if we can, you know, fleece them. And if that happens, then uh, we don't care. We'll give one soda to the Dodgers because of the haul we're getting back. But Andrew Friedman's not an idiot. Brandon Gomes is not an idiot. They, they, they know they were operating from a position of strength. They didn't need one soda. We've been saying it all along. One soda would be great. We don't need them. The Padres, desperate as all hell, always, all the time, needed Juan Soto. Still do. And I think that the way that the Padres are playing right now, which isn't great, I think they'll figure it out. I don't think they're going to be this bad the rest of the way. I just think they need time to gel. Juan Soto needs time to adjust. I think he's dealing with a lot of pressure. He looks terrible out in the outfield. Manny Machado has regressed. They're getting Tatis back. So I would put the pause button on you know, saying that the Padres are cooked at this point, because until Tatis comes back, we don't really know. Yeah. But in terms of Soto, I'm glad we didn't get him. I'm really, I really am. We didn't need him. It would have been nice to have him, but breaking the bank to get him would not have been the right move. And I'm glad, I'm glad we stand. The, the Padres pattern. suck, but I'll get to that in a few so, minutes. Real I want to, I, no, I want to retort Jake's uh, statement real quick, and then I'll let you okay. go and do so you said that they don't want to trade Soto to the Dodgers, but as a GM, don't you want the best possible return? And the Dodgers, without a doubt, have that. And yes, unlike, but, unlike but, some opinions, I think that the Nationals were dead set on trading Soto at the deadline, no matter what, even if it was an offer they were going to be underwhelmed with. I think there was too much pressure that they were going to trade him. So 
I don't know why they would actually overtax the Dodgers unless this was just a bargaining play so that the Padres would actually pay you up more because maybe they were under the impression that Friedman and Gomes weren't actually that into it to begin with. That's certainly possible. And I think that 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 could be the case. But the way I see it is that I think that the Nationals were trying to get as much as possible for Soto. And if the Dodgers were to to say that they didn't want Soto going to the Padres or whatever the case is, the, the Nationals were going to try to get as much as possible with with the understanding that maybe the Dodgers wouldn't budge and they didn't. Um, I also think that that is true, that they tried to drive the price up with, with the Padres. And A.J. Preller, I mean, it's just like, you know, coming, you know, it's, it's like a freaking free buffet on the farm there for them. So here's what I think happened. I think I agree with both of you. I think the Nationals didn't not want to trade him to the Dodgers. I think they wanted the most possible return. And the way you're going to do that, the most possible return you can get is from the Dodgers. So I think Rizzo, the Nationals GM, is playing both sides. But what I really want to talk about is I think Andrew Friedman stuck to his guns. I think he made a legitimate, serious offer to the Nationals for Soto, and he wasn't going to go above that price. And in doing so, and in continuing negotiations, I think he legitimately made A.J. Preller up his deal and gave up more than what he wanted. I think he put him in the blender. I think Andrew Friedman, for years has put A.J. Preller's brain in a pretzel. I think he has not successfully completed a legitimate trade that has paid paid off for them since the Fernando Tatis trade. I think he feels Andrew Friedman when he sleeps, when he closes his eyes, he sees Andrew Friedman. That is what A.J. Preller's life is. So I didn't think A.J. Preller was going to be denied under any circumstance unless the Dodgers ponied up significantly more than what the Padres ended up paying. I think that was going to be the case. I don't think the Dodgers were ever going to seriously consider the trade that Kevin had mentioned, which was the rumored ask of the Dodgers. Uh, And I think Friedman probably got them to throw in one more prospect for sure. So once again, yes, I mean, I agree, but I also think Rizzo isn't as smart as we think, because first of all, they initially accepted the trade with Eric Hosmer in the deal until he vetoed it. And but that's why, a, that's a minor want, hiccup. Why know? do you want Eric Cosmer's contract on your books? Well, Second the Padres of all, they, ended up paying they that They threw contract. in Josh Bell like he's a crouton. Why not try to trade <laughs> Josh Bell to a contender and get more prospects? Because I think that what the Padres ended up giving up for... Josh um, the crouton so, Bell. For, <laughs> for, what they gave up for Soto would have been enough on paper. But instead, like I said, they threw him on top like a... But what like is Soto? The Caesar salad? What, what What is the analogy here? Yeah, I, I guess he's the pizza. He's the Caesar salad. He, Josh Bell was the crouton. Yeah. Look, I agree the, with the you Nationals that. like I, the Nationals like doing that. I mean, they they just threw yeah. in Trey Turner yeah, randomly. Exactly. Like he he can point. get a little bit lazy. You know, you get to the you get to the twenty yard line, you're like, all right, fine, you can have Josh Bell too. Like, yeah, I I agree with that, but I still think they got a lot. I I do think they got a lot. I think they, they got four legitimate prospects. Four Gore, of them. getting Gore um, out of that is huge. Yeah, and I like I said last week when we had a uh, who do we have on here? Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker. Uh, I think James Wood is going to be the best prospect in that in that deal. I know he's the youngest. He's in the he's in the lowest level of uh, of baseball right now. I think he's in single A, uh, but he is he is a legitimate piece in that trade. And I think the Nationals did pretty well uh, aside from just throwing in Josh Bell. But like I said, I, I think AJ Preller is legitimately traumatized by Andrew Friedman, and he 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 has nightmares. 
All right, yeah, we'll get to the Padres, because but I got to get to Cody Bellinger first because he was on the list that I want to talk about. Ever since the Dodgers moved him down to the nine hole, it's been a godsend because over the last nine game sample size, he's nine for 31 as we're recording, 290 batting average, two home runs, which came in one Padres game. He's the only Dodger in a, a long span to have two multi-homer games against the Padres in one season. So the two home runs, 11 RBIs, four doubles and one triple, the power is there. And he obviously provides you the, the, the great defense, but I mean, going down the stretch with Bellinger right now and the way he's swinging the bat, it's looking like it's lined up for him to have another explosive postseason. That's what happened last year too. He started heating up at the end of 2021 and then went into the postseason on fire. So this is really good news for the Dodgers and Cody Bellinger. I think that that nine hole is honestly magic. You saw what happened with Gavin Lux. He became a hitter and then they were able to move him up in the order and he hasn't really skipped a beat. I think that that batting someone ninth that not only has pop, but also speed is a brilliant move by Dave Roberts and company. Yep. And I think hitting in front of Mookie Betts certainly helps as well. I mean, yep. I can think back to Austin Barnes knocking out Blake Snell and it's they lost the DH or they lost the nine hole essentially last season, but with the DH being back in play, they can use that nine hole and it's, it's paying big dividends. All right. So let's get into this. The Dodgers Padres met up overhyped in my opinion, just more regular season games. I mean, to make this simple, the Dodgers absolutely humiliated the Padres. They outscored them 20 to four in the three games Three of those runs came because of a Gavin Lux air and the other run came in garbage time when the Dodgers were already up eight to zero. So moral of the story is the Padres are nowhere even near the Dodgers league right now. They don't intimidate me one bit. I think they can probably sneak into the playoffs now because they have the big three. Cause I, I know Tatis is coming back. So they will probably be a five or six seed. I don't think the Padres get any farther than the NLDS though. And because the Dodgers were basically able to make this series, not close. We didn't even see Josh Hader who in his first big save situation with the Padres blew a three run save. And now his ER is flirting with a five. So Gonsolin Anderson absolutely dealt. They both picked up their 13 wins on the season. Juan Soto and Manny Machado, I guess the Dodgers game plan was perfectly scripted. Neither, neither of those players were a factor whatsoever. And Profar, who I think kind of t- got a few extra base hits off the Dodgers, he was irrelevant too. And I don't even know what happened to Jake Cronenworth. Last season, he was kind of pesky. I can't recall him doing a single thing against the Dodgers this season. You mean all-star Jake Cronenworth? <laughs> Worst okay. all-star ever. It's University of Michigan product, Jake Cronenworth. Yeah, so yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we respect him on this podcast. Respect no, you, the Crones only, only you. One third of this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the Padres just weren't ready for the Dodgers. They just weren't. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out Daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Them that They were kind of all over the place. The moment got to them. The oh, crowd yeah. was into it. Yep. You saw Machado just there was one play where it went off his glove and then it trickled into the outfield and he made zero effort to go after it. I mean, that kind of just goes along with the whole Johnny hustle type of deal that he's uh, been known for that. He doesn't, that he doesn't hustle. I mean, it's clear as day. That was pathetic. That was pathetic as, as a leader of that team, as you know, as the, as the guy in the middle of that order, um, the guy that's supposed to be the leader with Tatis out. I mean, that that's that's just a terrible look. I mean, he allowed Mookie the, no run actually scored on that play, but he allowed Mookie Betts to move up the third, and then Mookie eventually came in to score. So to me, that was terrible. Um, all of the Padres quotes too after the after the series. Oh, yeah, we'll get into one of them uh, later. Yeah, we got to get into one of those in a second. Just want to quickly jump right in, jump back right just back tease in, but that, tease ahead. Boomer Bob Melvin's face when Max Muncy hit that annihilated three-run home run off Mike Clevenger. Dude looks like he just found out his wife slept with his neighbor. <laughs> Classic. It was oh, all Jace Joey Gallo, fault, though, right? Joey Gallo three-run homer. That's what you like to see, ladies and gentlemen. Pinch yes. hit three-run bomb. He pinch it for uh, Hanser Alberto. Wow, that's a we that's will. a Joey Gallo legacy moment right there. Yep. We will talk more Joey Gallo too, but opposite uh, field let's get also. to let's get into those quotes quotes David if you have one up. Well, I am going to save one for the end if you are familiar with what we do at the end of our show. Yes. What are something what, of the week? What position does he play? Third base. Okay. Then the other one is the Will Myers one where he just got shredded to death and ratioed so bad. So after the Dodgers got blown out by the Padres, they asked Will Myers something about the Dodgers, I guess. And his response was, I think we put too much emphasis on this team in quotes or in parentheses, the Dodgers. Will Myers said, and I think once the season gets going down the road, after we play together, these games will be different. Well, Will, I have a couple thoughts on that. First of all, you think there's too much emphasis on the Dodgers? You've been constructing your guys' roster the last four years to essentially try to be the Dodgers. And every time they come to town or we go to Petco, all this buzz, this is a rivalry, this is a big series, it's must-watch TV. And I think the Dodgers have won 17 of the last 19 games. And for the most part, it has not been close. Can I just say, sorry, can I respond to that real quick? Yeah. If you're a team in the NL West, not named the Los Angeles Dodgers, who else are you worried about? Like the, all the emphasis should be put on the Dodgers. That's the only thing you're AJ Preller knows that. What is just a weird quote from Will Myers. Also like weak quote, a quote from a weak minded player on a weak minded team. Yep. I'm just going to leave it at that. So my final thoughts are the Dodgers have three more series left with the Padres. I think the Dodgers have won eight of the 10 games they've played so far, leaving nine games left. 
Maybe the Padres figure it out and take one of these series. But like I said earlier in the podcast, if we face the face San Diego in the postseason, I'm not scared one bit. I think of the five stars they could throw at us, Blake Snell poses the biggest threat just because something in his mechanics and arsenal is just something the Dodgers can't figure out. Uh, you Darvish is probably second, although the Dodgers have had more success against him lately and they've won the majority of his starts. And then Joe Musgrove has actually been in a kind of a big pitching slump and has not fared well against the Dodgers at all this season. And then Mike Clevenger got bombed. So bad. Isn't good. Isn't good. Yeah. Overrated. Going motion. So that's what the Dodgers would have to worry about. Doesn't scare me. I think we're going to go ahead, David. Sorry. So look, Right now, the Padres are still a joke. They are. Yes, they got Soto. Yes, I said everything I said last week about how they won the trade deadline. They're the number one threat, in my opinion, in the in the National League. That is all on one giant contingency, and his name is Fernando Tatis. That, that guy is that entire team. I don't care that you have Soto. I don't care that you have Machado. Tatis is the Padres. When he's playing well, they are a legitimate team. When he's not there or he's not playing well, they're nothing. So we don't really know what they're going to be like. We don't. We don't until we see him come back. Soto has more time to gel, even though he's playing well. I think Hayter's going to pitch better than he did yesterday when he blew a four-run lead. But we just don't know. They're an enigma in my mind. On the episode about the trade deadline, or after the trade deadline, I said, let's wait and see on the Padres. Let's see what happens. They have, they have a lot to prove. In fact, they have everything to prove. And they've never proved anything ever at any point in their history. So that's why I would caution against saying that, you know, they're, they're a juggernaut at this point. The Dodgers have a few more meetings with them. In fact, a ton of meetings coming up in September. So we're going to see what they're made of in that month. And we'll be able to tell in that month what they're made of and what we can expect from the playoffs. Because I assume Tatis will be back by then. And once he's back, then we can really determine what kind of team we're dealing with. But until that happens, I'm still going to just wait and see because there's really nothing else we can do. And there's no history to suggest that they're going to all of a sudden become not the Padres. And by then the Dodgers probably will have clinched the division and will be resting a bunch of their starters. So we won't really actually have anything to go off of. Well, we can see what we can see how they're, how they're gelling and how they're, how they look for sure. Depends who we're throwing out there. If it's well, it also it also depends on how they do against the rest of the league, which has not been superior because they're below five hundred or they're yeah they're below five hundred against teams with a record above five hundred. Mm-hmm. So we know David's answer. Dub Quacker Seven is asking the panel, looking into the postseason, which team scares you the most? His pick is the Mets. I'm also going to say the Mets. There's honestly no reason not to say the New York Mets are the biggest threat right now to the Los Angeles Dodgers. American league wise, I'm not actually intimidated by any of the teams. I think we are a lot better than the Astros. The Yankees have sure slipped. I think we could beat them regardless. The Atlanta Braves would rank second, but I don't think they are as good as they were last season. And I think a big factor in why they beat us is because the Dodgers were so banged up. But right now looking at it, and they also had Freddie Freeman. (laughs) Yes, we took Freddie Freeman. That is also a great point. But just to close my thoughts, the Mets are playing great baseball right now. They have the second best record in the sport. Jacob DeGrom is back. Max Scherzer For is now. back and healthy. For now. 
for now. But I mean, what, what they have with DeGrom potentially is like a, a 60 game 2020 season. So he'll be very fresh if he's healthy. They have Lindor, who's been to a World Series. Alonzo leads the National League in RBIs. They're a pretty great defensive team. They got Escobar, Starling Marte, um, Marcana, along with some other great bats. Like they picked up Darren Ruff, who's kind of been a thorn in the daughter's side. And they just have big sexy. Yes, he's walking out to the milkshake song. Chonky, dude. He's so chonky. He's actually got he's actually got some underrated speed. I I love him. He he is a a fan favorite. He is a baseball player. I mean, you think of all shapes and sizes, he is he comes to mind. So when the Dodgers I also there was a there was a minute there where I got him confused with Rowdy Telez, but they're no longer on the same team. Yeah, talk about a chonk duo at first, dude. (laughs) So yeah, if the Dodgers play the Mets in the postseason, it'll likely come in the National League Championship Series, which benefits the Dodgers, in my opinion, because seven games is way more appealing than five, especially with the two main starters on the Mets I talked about. But they have a deep Don't sleep on Diaz, bro. I was not. I'm getting to their their bullpen has been pretty solid, too. And Diaz is the best closer in baseball, and he is going to hit the free agent market. And he's definitely someone I want the Dodgers to target. Here's my response to your who you're most afraid of. And again, I know that the Mets look great right now, but they still have to prove a lot to me to for me to be even worried. And and a big Max Scherzer is as proven as it gets. Yeah, but he also gets hurt a lot. And so does DeGrom. So until I wouldn't say a lot, he's won like four Cy Youngs. Three Cyongs. Well, he's a lot older. DeGrom, and he, DeGrom, yes. Scherzer's a lot older. He freaking fell apart for the Dodgers. So I don't, I, I, I don't, you know, until until they show me that they're healthy and ready for the postseason, then I'll tell you if I'm afraid of them or not. But right now I'm not because we still have a long way to go. I'm most afraid of the of the Braves. The Braves, um, lar- by and large, have have a very similar roster the last few years. They're battle tested. They got the shit kicked out of them in 2020. They came back with a vengeance in 2021 and won the world series. You know, yes, they lost Freddie Freeman, but they gained Matt Olson. And so it's sort of a a lateral move for them. I think in a lot of ways, they got Ronald Acuna jr. Back. So I think, I think the Braves are the team to beat in the national league for the Dodgers until any other team comes along and surprises us. And the, also the team that I think um, will challenge the Dodgers most in the American League is the Astros. And I think that the Dodgers are better than the Astros, but God, I would love to see an Astros-Dodgers World Series more than anything. I'd love to see that. I agree. I, I think the Astros are the only team in the American League who is even remotely a threat. I think someone like the Mariners could get hot, but I was right about the Yankees. They're frauds. They've been awful the past month without Gallo. I mean, (laughs) the Dodgers had a similar slip in 2017. So let's see what happens in the postseason. Yeah, it's fair, but they're historically choking. Their bullpen's falling (laughs) apart. Not historically. Come on. Well, recently, recent recent history. Yes. I mean, you got Chapman serving one up every other postseason. Who's now got promoted to the seventh inning. Yeah, there there was, there, there were there were 27 times they didn't choke. <laughs> well, half of those they were playing like plumbers against Babe Ruth or whatever. So let's okay, okay, JJ Reddick. Yeah, I mean, what are we doing here? JJ <laughs> Reddick. I don't, I don't count like half of those championships, bro. Come on. 
but yet you said Babe Ruth is the greatest player of all time. So now you're kind of contradicting yourself. No, I mean, I still think he was the best player of all time, but it's not his fault. He was playing against plumbers. I still I mean, think, he, I still think he had to hurt your argument. No, I mean, if you put Babe Ruth in this era, he probably gets waxed, but that's not fair. Yeah, well, he's also swinging a 40-ounce bat, too. So. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> eating hot dogs and, like, smoking cigarettes on the field. So, like... Can we bring that back? <laughs> yeah, be pretty hype. Remember Jim Leland in the dugout? That was... Electric. Oh, yeah. Hacking darts left and right. Yeah. Speaking of chunk, we got Reyes Maranta yeah. in the bullpen right now. Ever since they banned chewing tobacco, the grit is just not the same. Yeah. But I'm don't do that if you're a kid and listening to this. Totally was Don't throw curveballs. All right, so is that all we need to talk about with the biggest threats? We are all split here. We all have valid reasons for why we are concerned. And Yeah, I think we're all squared up there for now. So this is a perfect uh, segment because we want to talk about it anyways from another great listener, young Jeremy18 on Twitter. Thoughts so far on the Joey Gallo experience? And then he goes on to say he loves the podcast. He's seeing some changes in his swing. Yeah. His own swing? Who's swing? Joey Gallo. Okay. Carry I mean, on. he hit a three. He hit a three-run homer tonight as we were recording live. So I, I, I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, start, you know, yelling from the mountaintops here that he's that he's that he is him. You know, I, I think that I, I will. But, but go okay, ahead. well then, then you can do that. But I mean, I, I'm gonna just. I, I just think that there's, you know, you got to, there's a lot of caution that we have to, a lot of pause we should give until we see a couple of more of these, you know, strung together. But I like what I'm seeing so far. I think that, you know, he was someone that I don't think the Dodgers really needed. Um, it's clear because they're, tr- it's hard to find playing time for him. And I think that, you know, it's a good problem to have when you got all, all these guys coming back, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner, it's going to be hard for, for, for them to find at bats for Gallo. Um, obviously they're going to platoon him, but even again, but even against Sonny Gray tonight, they, they sat him down. So yeah, it, it's going to be tough to find at bats, but I mean, I, I, I like what I see so far for sure. I yeah, love I mean, I, the, I, sorry, go, go ahead, Kev. Oh, I'll just say, I love the Joey Gallo ad. Like I said, last week, he probably will mostly be a pinch hit option, but just like we saw with the three on home run, that's a huge threat off the bench. Is that the game yesterday? He roped a 112 mile per hour double, which was the second hardest base hit recorded by a Dodger this season. Yeah, the strikeouts suck. He's going to have a lot of those. But what he provides with the glove, just knowing that you can substitute him later in games and you have a good defensive left fielder out there along with the power bop, him and Trace Thompson, that, that is one sexy combo that you can play in the outfield and coming off your bench. Yeah, so I... I... I'm pretty in the middle. I, I think I've seen some bad and I've seen some solid from him so far as a Dodger, but they're, they don't need him to be a superstar. They just need him to have a couple productive at bats here and there, maybe come off the bench, get on base with via walk. Cause he's, a, he's the definition of a true three outcome player, strikeout walk home run uh, and, you know, hit a couple home runs. That's it. That's all they really need from him. All right, let's get into some injury updates real quick. Dustin May, as everyone knows, is slated to make one more rehab start so far in Oklahoma City. 14 innings pitched, 23 strikeouts. Looks like based off everything we're hearing from the media, he is fully prepared to become a starter, at least in the regular season. 
Then we talked about Kershaw on the IL. Yancy Almonte was placed on the IL with a uh, elbow discomfort type of injury, but according to him, it's nothing serious. I hope so. Brewstar Gratterall should be back in about eight days. And obviously he's one of Robert's go-tos for whatever reason. He loves to use him all the time out of the bullpen. And then Blake Trinan, we've been hearing his name a lot. I'm kind of surprised that he won't be back till the start of September. Cause I feel like he's been, a, he's been finding okay. his element and doing um, non non game types of throwing for like a month now, but that's what they have him at Blake Trinan returning in September. I yeah, found I mean, it funny. They said, that, they said he hit 98 uh, his last simulated game. I want to say so. I, I I mean, if they were had a one game lead in the division, I think you'd see him a lot earlier than the first of September. So if he's good, then he's great. You know, there's no reason to you know push it. They're they're what are they up 16 in the division? I mean, there's no, you don't need him right now, which is nuts. But you don't even need him at all. So I I would like to see him earlier just so we get some game experience. But a month before the playoffs is plenty of time to get right. They got their guy, Chris Martin, anyways. <laughs> you guys laughed guy. at me, but he's recorded 15 of the last 16 batters he's faced he's, so far. No, he's, been, he's been good. He had an he's, he's FU strikeout to Machado. Yeah. I don't know if I trust him. I don't trust him at all, but I like what I see. No, he's so a far. World Series champion and a high leverage arm in years past. Yes. Yeah. Co- Bellinger co- beat him. Talk to but- Cody Bellinger about that. But that's just disrespecting Bellinger because Cody Bellinger was an elite player in 2020. So sometimes the better hitter beats the pitcher. Got our guy. Got our guy. We did. Zach McKinstry, I don't even know how he's doing with the Cubs, but I'm sure he's getting more at-bats than the six he got in Los Angeles this season. <laughs> and he he's, he's on so Instagram sad. posting pictures of eating pizza all the time. He's loving it out there. So, Well, good is, old, he, uh, is he getting everyday opportunities out there? Like I said, I don't know. I don't. I would I'd imagine have... he is. I would hope, but after this, the Dodgers go to Kansas City. They're going to play the Kansas City Royals for three games in Kauffman Stadium. Love that park. Looks... Beautiful. I have not been there, but that's good insight. So if I ever make it, um, they probably will be missing Zach Granke. Unfortunately, it looks like he is scheduled to pitch in the next two days or today or tomorrow. I don't really know what else there is going on in the Royals other than Bobby Witt Jr. is apparently the fastest player not, in baseball. Not a lot, Kevin. Not a lot, but Bobby Witt Jr. is the fastest player in baseball, apparently. And Salvador Perez is still hitting nukes. Other than that, nothing. Then they got the Brewers. We got two series with the Brewers. Haven't faced them this season, obviously. We're going to Milwaukee first because – Funny enough, they played them early in 2021. I want to say it was like in May because I remember the Matt Beatty and Pollock eight RBI games, but then they didn't play the next day in yep. Chicago. Are, are the Brewers the, the only National League team they haven't faced? I think so. Yeah. I, I can't think of anyone else, so you're probably right. Yeah. Brewers are obviously in the hunt. They are a wild card team at oh, the moment. Oh, Marlins. Marlins we've not faced yet. You're right. right. Yeah. Yeah. You're I right. would have remembered if we faced Manningly. I don't think we did unless they came to Dodger stadium, but I don't think, no, I don't they, think they, we... they're coming. Yeah. I saw God, he's such an idiot. <laughs> Dodgers are apparently scheduled to p- face Corbin Burns. That would be a good test. They also might be facing Sandy Alcantara too. So I want to see the Dodgers face some good pitchers. They need to be tested so that they can 
be more prepared when the postseason arrives. You face the best of the best. Yep. Give them the challenges. Um, all right, let's go into your idiot of the week. I think it's time. Okay, so I do have an idiot of the week, and I'm also gonna add one. I'm also gonna have a loser of the week because there's just two things that I just have to bring up. So my idiot of the week is the social media manager for the San Antonio missions, which are the double a affiliate of the San Diego Padres. And you might've seen this tweet, but if you didn't, I'm going to show, I'm going to read it to you right now. So the tweet states quote, while not recording a hit, Fernando Tatis Jr. put the ball in play in all three of his at-bats tonight, exclamation point, and it shows a video of Fernando Tatis grounding out. Come on. Is this what we're doing? As Like, I understand that you're a double-A team and, like, you know, you, you got Tatis playing for you and it's exciting, but come on, man. What are we doing? What are we doing? He put the ball in play in all three at-bats, exclamation point. Stop it. Just full stop. Shut the hell up. Stop it. You look stupid. What are we celebrating? You're, it makes your major league organization look even more pathetic than they already look over the last 50 years of their existence. You got your double A social media manager celebrating ground outs. Stop it. Idiot of the week. Whoever that social media manager is, you are. I mean, that that is just you can't do that. You just can't. It's one thing if you post like a picture of him and, and just give an update. Like, Hey, this is what Tatis did. He was over three grounded out, blah, blah, blah. Just as an, as an update, just like here, here's yeah, what here happened he tonight. Here he is. This is what he did. But, but to celebrate it with exclamation points and saying, wow, we put the ball in play. What was the, what was the contract extension he got? Close to 500 million. We're Tats- celebrating balls in play. Tatis. Uh- yeah. Like I think it was four or something. He better put right. the ball in play three, three, three. with that contract. It's just what I mean. Come on, you got to be better. All right. So, and Kevin, you got you got anything to say on that? Or can Craig Kimbrell get through a damn inning without giving 14 up? Fourteen years, three hundred forty million was his extension. Yeah, could be a bargain in the long run, but he's very injury prone. He's like the Anthony Davis of his sport, in my opinion. Uh, I think what I, what I want to say is just. You know, people in San Antonio, they got their spurs, but they don't really know much about sports other than that. They they are still clinging to the fact that they think Tim Duncan was a better ball player than Kobe Bryant. So you can't take their take serious. So that's all I'll say. Yeah, but if you but if someone is saying he put the ball in play three times, that's it's that's the someone, exclamation point for me. That's that, what it but is. But that's for me. someone that's someone that know something about baseball. I mean, someone that doesn't know anything about baseball is not using that phrase. I'm not saying it's the most sophisticated phrase, but it's a very like, you know, if you know, if you watch baseball, that's what, that's what you say. If they didn't know baseball, they would have said he got three hits, but got out every time. It's a sad organization. It doesn't surprise me at this point. All right. So my loser of the week is also San Diego Padres related, and it's Manny Machado. Post game, after the sweep, reporter asked him, "So are you are you worried about the Dodgers?" And he said, "No." And the reporter was like, "Well, why?" Because I'm Manny fucking Machado. End quote. Absolute loser of the year <laughs> quote, dude. Shut 
up. That is one of the lamest things I've ever heard in my entire life. First of all, you didn't show up for the series. Second of all, you had that whole altercation with Fernando Tatis last year where you yelled in his face, you got, you became a meme, and you basically were just yelling at him, it's not about you, it's not about you. So what do you, what do you say after the game? I'm Manny fucking Machado. That's why I'm not worried about the Dodgers. First of all, it's not a, it's not an individual's game. You're on a team. So your team should probably be worried about the Dodgers because they've kind of put you in a blender for the last 50, 50 years and especially recently. So absolute loser quote of the year by far. Can't think of a more loser quote I've heard this year. 243 lifetime hitter against the Dodgers. He does not show up. Also, I just would like to counter that by saying I can't think of anybody on the Dodgers that would give a quote even close to that. No, no, it wouldn't happen. Which it is just wouldn't which happen. is what I love about this team is they're literally all business. Nothing, nothing leaks out of that clubhouse. Dave Roberts, whatever you want to say about his in-game stuff, he's a terrific clubhouse manager. He's he's done an amazing job with a ton of egos since 2016, dealing with everyone that's come through those doors, including Manny Machado. So to me, every time there, every time something bad happens with with uh, with Manny Machado, he has the worst quote, like the Johnny Hustle quote. That was awful. The so one bad. what he that he became a meme from that too, and and every time he becomes a meme, it's a bad thing. Assuming Craig Kimbrell doesn't blow it, because what does Craig do? He always allows runners on. The Dodgers are probably going to hold on and win their 10th consecutive game, sweep their third consecutive series, and be a 77-33 and 33 win team. That's 34 games above 500. Uh, we, we, Craig just gave up a run. As we were talking intermission, it's even hard to just think about when the Dodgers have recently lost, because they've just been on a roll right now. Can I just can I just interject? I want David's take on this. Yeah. What the hell is going on with Craig? Why can't he do anything? Why is he <laughs> why does he do this every time? He has a four-run lead. It should be three at three down, no problem. You know, I don't know. I that, that's David's guy. I know that's I, why I wanted to ask him. I am kind of running out of answers on Craig Kimbrell. I, what I, I on don't, earth is happening. It's just there's no clean innings. I mean, I saw a stat. This is probably even worse now, but it was seven of his 40 appearances were clean innings. All right. So, he just got out of it. And so the 33 game. of his 40 appearances, his first 40 appearances were not clean innings and that you can't be doing that in the playoffs. Uh, so I and honestly, not, yeah. I honestly think this, this last month and a half uh, is his audition. If he can fucking tighten it up and get it together. Otherwise you're not going to be pitching in the ninth inning, let alone in the playoffs at all. He's uh, really the only liability on this team. Yeah, pretty like, much. I mean, it's serious it's, liability. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not a liability in the regular season uh, when you got a 20 game lead in division, but he's still getting the saves. It's just not really pretty. He hasn't, when's the last time he blew a game? He hasn't really blown a game at all recently. So it's, he's getting the results. It's just really ugly because he's always thrown in three or four run leads. We haven't really well, seen him in a one run situation, which is going to happen right. in the postseason. Right. But it's not, a, but it's not three, just in a three run lead. I feel good about it. It's not just him getting hit though. It's his command. He, he, he gave up a run tonight. He threw a wild pitch. That's pretty much his MO. He puts runners on base and then they come around to score on wild pitches. It's what is like, come on, Mark Pryor. What's going on here? 
He's got a month he's, and a half. He's Otherwise, he's not going to be seeing any ninth innings. Too old to be fixed. He, but priors. seriously, though, I mean that. I mean that's that's why that's why having Trinan healthy and ready for the postseason is paramount for this team. Yep. And keeping, I would manage Evan Phillips's innings too, while mm-hmm. we're at it. You need that one-two punch. I don't think Kimbrell will be closing any ball games out. When yeah, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear "Sweet Child of Mine" in the playoffs. I don't. I think, uh, yeah, so we'll see where Trinan's at, but I'm ready to make Evan Phillips the closer. Said that a few weeks ago. He's their best reliever active right now. And in my opinion, you just got to, I don't care. Saves is overrated. It's the heart of the order. So if it's in the eighth inning, you use Evan Phillips there. If it's in the ninth inning, you save him for there. But I want Evan Phillips facing the best hitters on the opposition when it matters most. And he proved that against the Giants when he came in with the bases loaded and nobody else out twice. Yeah. And he he was unscathed. I think the stat was he's faced nine or 10 batters with the bases loaded and has not allowed a single run. So that'll play. He is legitimate. That will play. That's going to conclude this week's episode. So if there's any final thoughts or takes or questions, you can present those right now. Yeah, what's that painting behind you, uh, David? What is that? It is George Washington crossing the Delaware. <laughs> it was a gift, and it's beautiful. Sure, sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> was it a gift from Blake Trinan? No, but he would love it. Yeah, he would. Okay. okay um, that was- here, wait, here's, here's – uh, sorry, here's a final thought. Sorry, uh, I got sidetracked there. I wanted to say this at the beginning, but I was going to save it for the final thought. And – I just, I think this, this team is probably the best I've ever seen Um, just uh, up and down, just in terms of complete teams. This is, this is the best, but how wonderful is it that we're not sweating out every single game like we did last year? I mean, it just was excruciating, not only watching the Dodgers play and, and the offense would just absolutely evaporate at a moment's notice. But then on top of that, the Giants just didn't lose. So which is you more had of what of, it was. What? That was what it was more. I mean, come on. They were not that bad in the second half. But no, like, I'm not saying like you, I'm not saying that the Dodgers were bad, but, I, but what I am what I am saying is is that it heightened those games so much more because the Giants were playing well. And because of but like if the Giants were I think this Dodgers team would clear last year's Dodgers team. And also clear the Giants. I, I think the Dodgers win the division with this squad yep. in 2021. Yep. So to me, yeah, while they did win 106, 106 wins, it was like one of the weaker 106 win teams that I've that I've ever seen. I mean, I, I, I just, it just was excruciating watching that watching that team during different moments of the year. And this year, that I'm I'm just you know never worried when they go when they when they're behind. They were behind in this game. I was never worried at any point that they yeah. weren't going to be able to come back. And if they didn't, so what? But it's like still to have that feeling watching these games every every single night is like you just they're never worried. Whereas last year they couldn't come back from any deficit. They were terrible in extra innings. So that that's something that I think is just huge this year versus last year. Well, they haven't been great in extra innings this year either, but they've also been avoiding it a lot. Right. Nice. But 
I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, this team is better. They've proven it by now. They're also a lot healthier. I mean, last season we basically missed Seager for half the year. We've upgraded with Freddie Freeman. So got to take that into consideration. Didn't have Trey Turner. Didn't have Trey Turner in the lineup in the first half. When they got him, they were rolling. Trevor Bauer drama really set this team back. The injuries to Kershaw. It was basically Bueller and Urias until they added Scherzer. Um, A lot of bullpen games. We have not seen, I think, even one bullpen game this season. And according to our friend Blake Harris, the Dodgers over their last 162 games are 118 and 44. So according to him is officially the greatest 162 game stretch by any MLB team in the expansion era. So pre post plumber era, basically. Yes. Yeah. That beats the famous 2001 Mariners because they had 116 wins. It sure does. So yeah, they've, Friedman fixed their holes at the deadline last season, made the necessary ads like Evan Phillips, who they added, I think it was August 3rd of last season. He's been a juggernaut. And just the incredible depth pieces along the way, finding the Yancy Almontes on like non-roster spring training invites, the complete package. Just Kimbrel really is the only weakness, like you guys said, so. Dodgers team is good. I'm, I'm ready for the postseason. Bring it. We got one more series against the Mets. I don't know. I don't remember where that is in the se- in the rest of the season, but it will be in New York. So that should be exciting, actually. And I hope they get the Grom and Scherzer for that. Yeah, that would be big. Yeah, I want to see what, how they how they handle that. Yep. All right, guys, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast powered by Fansided. Thanks again to Steve for hopping on the show and throwing in some nostalgia. Oh yeah, Steve. Grilling me, especially. (laughs) Um, And we really need your guys' support. Please, if you like the podcast, give us a five-star rating on Apple. Uh, If you're loyal and every week listener, it'll really help us go a long way. So please do that. And And drop a comment too on Apple. Yeah, drop a comment. So with that being said... Go Dodgers and have a great rest of your week. I'll be in Nashville, the home of Mookie Betts. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.